This is Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you drive long haul, short haul, or heavy haul, they're here to empower and inspire women in the trades on TNCRadio.live. So gear down, sit back, and enjoy. You're listening to Women Road Warriors with hosts Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro, where we work to inspire and empower women in trucking, in the trades, and everywhere. I'm Shelley, and I'm Kathy. We like to feature women who've made inroads into the industries where women have often been excluded. Today, we have a great guest on the show. Jess Graham has been a professional driver for years. She turned to trucking as a way to support her family and took her daughter on the road where she homeschooled her. Jess is actively involved with Real Women in Trucking, which advocates for women, minorities, and disenfranchised groups in the industry and tackles the tough issues that are too often overlooked. Jess has been a mentor to many women drivers and a tireless advocate for the industry. Jess is an owner-operator, and many know her semi, the Black Widow. Jess Graham was awarded Real Women in Trucking's President's Choice Trailblazer Award this year, and she certainly deserves it. She's been a true trailblazer and a champion for women in the industry. Welcome, Jess. Thank you so much for being with us today. Hi, Shelly and Kathy. It's so great to be here. And it's great to have you. I thought maybe we could begin with how you got started, what you got what got you into trucking and some of the struggles you had initially. Um, I was actually um, looking for any driving job. Um, my previous experience was taxi and sedan in, in Detroit. And I just was struggling. I was leaving a bad relationship with my daughter's dad and looking for something in the industry that I knew, which was taxis. And everything said class A CDL. So I'm just like, I guess I have to go get my CDL. And I just started filling out applications, seeing what was what it was going to take. And I had a carrier call me, say they'd help me get my CDL and away I went. And you, you actually had to do this in a, in a short amount of time too, because you were leaving an abusive relationship, right? Yeah, I was, uh, I got out and was crashing on my dad's couch and I wanted to get out of there as soon as possible. So I was trying to get my feet underneath me. So from the time I, um, decided that I was going to have to get my CDL till I was doing the in-processing and going through orientation was like four days. Wow. Um, Like it was quick. Like they're like, you just need this, this, and this paperwork and we'll get you on a bus. And I mean, I didn't really have time to process mentally, you know, what I was actually jumping into. I think nowadays with social media, people are like comparing and like sharing experiences and, doing so much like legwork before they get into trucking. And I was just like, nope, here we go. That had to have been kind of scary initially. I think at that point in my life, I was kind of like, I have to do something, sink or swim. I've got to give whatever I'm going to go at the best I can give it and hope that I can make something happen because I really didn't have much to fall back on. You know, uh, where else can you get a skilled trade in such a short period of time and be actually generating income off of it other than trucking. I don't think of that there's really any other that you can be in and through their apprenticeship program and actually earning a good living at it 
as quickly as trucking. I really admire you. I mean, you were looking for a safe place for your daughter and for you, and, and you had to think quickly. And, and this is what so many women do. I mean, we, we act on survival skills and, and instinct. Uh, and sometimes we have to do a pivot right away just to keep everybody safe. And bravo to you. I mean, you had a, a tremendous challenge there because you took your daughter on the road, too. Oh, yeah. I hear a lot. of I get a, a lot of people will talk about how kids don't belong in trucks. And I am such an opposite believer in, you know, what is my option? Leave my child at home with somebody that isn't going to take care of them or love them the way I would? Yeah. No, but I still have to provide a place for my child. So um, being able to take her in the truck with me, and I mean, it was just a matter of I got my, once I got solo qualified and got my truck, I went home and packed her up and let the state of Michigan know that she wasn't going to be enrolled this year, that I was homeschooling her. And we hopped in and, and took off. There's no reason that kids don't belong in the trucks. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I really enjoy when I see it's summertime and you see the, the young boys and girls and they're with their dad or their mom or their grandma or grandpa and they're having a good time. I think it's one of those experiences that... I think normal kids don't get that wanderlust, that, um, that kind of that freedom, that renegade, that rebel, you know, um, life on the road. I think it sparks the imagination of kids. You know, we followed some of the, the curriculum, but when it came to like social studies, if she was studying about something, we would look for a place that we could stop and get out and learn about it firsthand, hands-on, you know, stopping in Texas and reading the, the plaques at the pull-offs, you know, that tells it this day on this time in this part of history, this is what happened here. You know, so many different learning situations that we were able to encounter. And I think it gave her a lot more of an appreciation for the world around her. She got to see so much more and experience so much more. And it really shows your ingenuity there, Jess. How do you come full circle like that to be, wow, uh, obviously you get your CDL, you're on the road, you're not only a parent, but you're homeschooling, you're, you're a driver, a parent, a, a taskmaster, and a teacher. Oh my goodness. How did you come up to speed on homeschooling? I mean, there's kind of a learning curve there too. It is. And you know, I, my, my first learning hurdle that I got over was, you know, our, our schedules change so often. Sometimes we're running nights, sometimes we're running days. You never know when it's going to flip. And so the rule came about that when I'm up, you're up. So, you know, when I get up and start my day, you have 30 minutes after that truck starts moving to be up and in the sea. You don't have to be wide awake and, and, you know, bright eyed, but you have to be starting your, your day when I start mine. Or else when I'm trying to sleep, you're bouncing off the walls and wanting to climb out of the truck and, you know, you know, who knows? Sure. So that was the biggest thing that, you know, we did. And I just, I got the workbooks for her uh, grade from the teacher supply store. This is a long time ago before we had access to the amount of um, online learning tools. And she just worked through her workbooks and, 
you know, spelling tests, uh, dry erase markers on the windshield, math problems she was having a problem with, same thing. She's writing it on the windshield and I'm driving down the road and we're walking through it together. That's you know, amazing. it's just That's little, impressive. you have to work with, you got to work with what you have, you know, and, sure. you know, I think it was my mom or it was either my mom or my cousin. One of them, I was just like, you know, I need somewhere I need a I was like I need a whiteboard so that she can do these problems and my mom's one whichever one it was was like just use your windshield it's a giant dry erase board there you go <laughs> you know <laughs> and and it works for all kind even if you're not homeschooling if you just got your child in the truck for the summer mm -hmm. um hangman you know or drawing she used to draw pictures for for passing vehicles on the the side window or, you know, um, just any kind of fun, you know, she would decorate around the edges of the, the front windshield for the holiday. And, you know, um, it just let her have a little creative space, um, without carrying coloring books and massive amounts of art supplies. It was, it gave her that little outlet to just get some of that creative energy going. Oh, sure. How old was she when you first started doing this? 11, okay. I believe. Okay. Yeah. 11-year-olds could be pretty challenging. Kids are so full of energy to, to have them uh, on the road and they want to get out and run around. I mean, did you ever well, have a day where it's like, why don't you go outside and play? You know, <laughs> you know we did, um, we kept things like uh, soccer ball with some little cones. My softball gloves and and softballs play catch mm -hmm. um she had roller skates so i mean there's there were so many opportunities that we had to get out you know a lot of shippers and receivers have big parking lots we can go you know off to the side and you know play catch or you know kick the ball or she can skate or and and same with some of the the truck stops if you're if it's not super busy there's there's usually a little spot that she could get out and do some running around and, and jumping around and whatnot. Um, sure. I remember she and another kid at one of the terminals I was out of. Um, every now and again, my dispatcher would send me to the Walmart distribution center in uh, Sterling, Illinois, because there was another dad homeschooling his son about the same age as my daughter. And so He'd send me there for a weekend to work so that those two could get together and hang out. And, you know, they would take over the driver's lounge and the drivers would be okay with it because they're all moms, dads, grandmas, grandpas, aunts and uncles, things like that. And so it would be Disney Channel and they'd have like all the board games out and they'd be coloring with chalk on the front sidewalk. And, you know, I don't think people really realize how much of a family atmosphere there is out here. Like everybody loves when the kids come through, you know, here's a treat, have some fun. It, it gives them a break. I think from the high stress life that we have is to see a bunch of kids running around playing. Sure. Well, it reminds them what life's all about and why the drivers are out on the road, you know. Um, and Absolutely. We're kids. out here for our families. Yeah. And bravo to you. Uh, did you have a supportive family with all of this? I mean, it sounds like your dad was because um, you said you initially uh, crashed on his couch and stuff. And, and it, it sounds like your, your family was right behind you, which is so important. They supported me and knew that um, and they still do. They are still um, 
they're they're big truck advocates because of my experience in the industry. They are always sharing with people what I do and you know how it impacts them. And they knew that I I had to do this because I needed to give myself a fighting chance at having a better life. And it's in turn been able to help my siblings. You know, I think I, I took that first leap and then one of my sisters needed to make a change. And so my me being on more solid footing, I was able to help her and, and, and then pass it down. You know, mm-hmm. um, we were able to kind of work together so that we're all doing well now. Pay it forward. And, and that's that's what it's all about. Sometimes I think people forget about that. That that's really what it's all about. And you set a really wonderful example for your siblings, too. Absolutely. Don't let your your fear of the unknown keep you in a situation you don't want to be in or you shouldn't be in or that's not healthy for you to be in. And I think that a lot of women kind of discount this lifestyle because of the kids and and their children when it really is a good, safe place for them. Don't let them run around the truck stop at night by themselves. That's, that's, that should be common sense. But, sure. you know, if you want a place where you can be a mom and work and give them the, the time and attention that they need, you know, I, I saw a mom and she had, this baby had to be like three years old. She was in her car seat and I'm walking past the door as the mom's out adjusting her tandems and she's just looking out and she's smiling. And I'm like, I went up and gave that mom a high five and it was like, you go. I love that you've got your baby with you, you know? That's great. And that gave her some encouragement too, that yes, it can be done. And and Jess, you've done a marvelous job. Your daughter's in college, right? Absolutely. She is uh, second year right now. According to my pocketbook, it feels like she's at on year four, but (laughs) (laughs) it's not cheap, but it's worth every penny, you know, making sure that she has that opportunity to do whatever she needs to do. Well, you know, when you think about it, riding with you, uh, she had to learn some real serious time management skills and, and a lot of discipline that maybe kids don't learn. So that gave her a leg up when she went into college. I mean, you've got deadlines on things you have to get in and in the exams and everything else. Uh, this is going to set a really wonderful momentum for her in life, I would think. That and I think just seeing that with hard work and determination, you can do anything. I think that's the most important thing. And the most important lesson that I hope that I taught her is, you know, don't let anybody tell you no, um, unless it's me and I told you no because there's a reason, but besides you know, I'm your mom. If, right. <laughs> exactly. But you know, when somebody else tells, you no, don't accept it. Do, do whatever you can to achieve your goals. I bet she's so proud of you. Uh, now she's at that age where she knows more than me. So uh, <laughs> she'll come back around to, I'm sorry, mom, but you know, we're at that age right now where like, my advice doesn't mean anything. It's just like, ugh, why are you talking to me, mom? You know, <laughs> I'm trying to save you from some of the same struggles. But yeah. uh, no, she's a good kid. And I think she she can just focus and buckle down. This There's nothing that's going to stop her, you know, from whatever path she's on in her life. And that's wonderful. And, and you really set that stage. You were the champion. And 
so many parents don't necessarily know how to be champions. And I think that maybe the driver discipline probably helped you become a better champion. What do you think? Um, it did. I know, um, I know a lot of my work with real women in trucking has really helped her in her, her last two years of high school and first two years, you know, of, of college, she's really into advocacy, um, and speaking out and making a change, um, you know, working with different organizations in, in the Metro Detroit area, she was, anytime she sees something that is part of social injustice, she's not afraid to stand up and say something. And I think that is a gift that I've given her by, you know, me being a part of real women in trucking, um, standing up for what's in, what's going on in my industry and in my world. I hope that, you know, she can take that and translate it to whatever area of her life needs somebody to stand up. And and that's been a wonderful example. I mean, there's so many people who see injustice and they don't do anything about it. They may talk to some people, you know, oh gosh, did, did, did you see, did you hear about blah, 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 but they never take an active role in trying to make a change. And that's the only way injustice and inequities will change is people getting involved. And good for you for getting involved and showing that as an example for your daughter too. Yeah, I think that I just, I'm not a whiner. I would rather know what the issue is. And, and you know, they kind of joke that I'm the HR lady. I, I, I'm not afraid to talk to anybody and I'm going to break out, you know, all of my stats and statistics. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the one thing that they know about me is that um, you know, Desiree, she'll kind of look at me and somebody will ask a question and then she'll look at me and I'll be like, okay, well, if you do this and here's the numbers for this section and here's what's going on over here and this company, their pay breaks down to this. And, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's fun that we have this team dynamic there for sure. Each one of us has our specialty. And I think mine is knowing those facts and figures. I want to know is this really a problem or are we just making it up? And Mm -hmm. a lot of times it is that it's really a problem, actually all the time. Stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward is telling the story of the industry. Our safety champions, the women of trucking, independent contractors, the next generation of truckers, and more. Help us promote the best of our industry. Share your story and what you love about trucking. Share images of a moment you're proud of. And join us on social media. Learn more at truckingmovesamerica.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. What, what types of things have you tackled after you got involved with Real Women in Trucking? Because the group has done some tremendous things for the industry. Every day we are talking about safe truck parking. Mm-hmm. Um, we're talking about the rape statistics in these mega training fleets and where these fleets are failing drivers. You know, there are some fleets that have had 300 plus lawsuits in the last 20 years. Wow with sexual harassment and assault and wage theft. I mean, these are carriers that are recruiting hundreds of people a week, a week. It's, it's really crazy that 
that many people are are being cycled through um, a lot of the issues we talk about besides uh, sexual harassment and rape is the wage theft. I think both of these issues go hand in hand with the abuse of labor. And these companies are abusing their labor force and then claiming that there's a driver shortage. How is that working? I don't think a lot of people necessarily understand. The media that reports it don't seem to understand either. There, there's such a, a disconnect between what you're being told by some of these other groups that represent the trucking companies. Um, over 450,000 CDLs are issued every year. And if you think that some of these groups are saying, well, it, we're 80,000 drivers short for 10 years. So are you saying that we are short, what, 15,000 drivers on top of that 450,000? Or are you saying that those 450,000, we're not talking about them because they're only going to have a lifespan of three months in the industry. I believe Indeed.com said that only one in six drivers makes it out of their uh, first year. Most don't even make it to the six-month mark. Wow. That is for men and women. Mm -hmm. Um, They're they're being paid subpar wages. They're not receiving good training. That's a big thing we ask is for uniform training. You know, when you're throwing a a driver that just got their CDL, which if you just get your CDL, you were given just enough knowledge to pass the test. You were not taught how to drive a truck. Mm -hmm. Uh, You're supposed to receive that on the road. And instead of getting one-on-one attention, you're thrown into a team freight operation. So now you're running team freight with somebody that might only have three months experience and that's your trainer. Wow. They don't know what they're doing, and you're not really learning how to properly handle and maneuver. You're set up for failure through these big companies. And that's wrong. It's wrong for the driver. It's wrong for anyone on the road. I mean, you want to have somebody who's got the proper training so that they know what to do in a, a split second. I mean, let's face it. You never know what you're going to expect when you're out on the road. You know, a couple days ago, my business partner, he blew a steer tire. He caught a piece of scrap something in the road and it blew a steer tire out. And the fact that he had enough skill to safely get to the shoulder, get the vehicle stopped and keep it upright and not in the ditch and minimize damage all around. That's not always the case. Um, no, no, it wouldn't be. If you, if you weren't taught what to do, which, by the way, if you blow a steer tire, the thing to do is not to set up, step on your brake. It's actually to accelerate, to punch the, the accelerator as hard as you can. And that lifts your front end up enough that you can get on the shoulder and then start to brake once you're on the shoulder. And it goes against uh, every instinct you have. You want to put on the brake. It is. The, and <laughs> and that's, that's driving in general. I think earlier this week on, on The Surge, Tom was talking about the same thing, I think, um, You know, a lot of our our driving patterns are the exact opposite of what you would expect them to be, you know, and I think that's, that's where these, you're seeing catastrophic accidents happening is because they're not given that information and they're going with what their instinct would be. And, you know, like Brittany said as well earlier this week is, you know, when you're losing your trailer out from behind you. Your first instinct is to brake, but it really should be to accelerate. 
you know, even if you are going downhill. Yes, that is what Brittany Richardson said when I was talking to her on my show, the Truckers Network radio show here on TNCRadio.live. When you're, you lack the experience, that's a dangerous combination. And I would think that it takes time, experience, and to commit things to muscle memory so you know exactly what to do right now. That's a challenge. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think distracted driving across the board in bigger vehicles and smaller vehicles is one of the stumbling blocks I think any driver has. You know, like when I blew my turbo last summer, I heard it seize up. And if you've blown it, it doesn't, it's it's hard to catch, but I heard it go. And that's because I don't have my radio blaring. I don't have you know, a lot of stuff going on. I'm when I'm driving, I'm driving. And um, so I was able to actually, I heard it seize up. I look in my mirror and I watched my smoke change coming out of my truck. And less than a mile later, I was um, pulled off and stopped. And I just happened to be just north of Houston. And we knew a mechanic in the area. And because he didn't deal with turbos, he called his cousin who does. And his cousin came out, pulled the turbo out, made sure everything else was fine. And then the next morning I called a lift, took my turbo, which is heavy, <laughs> wrapped in plastic. So it's not dripping all over and in a box, uh-huh. carried it, dropped, got dropped off at Freightliner, stood in line, got a new turbo, gave him my old turbo. And then the mechanic picked me up and we went out and put it on. Three hours later, I was back on the road. Excellent. You know, it was quite fun. That experience in a interesting way you know it's that sense of accomplishment like yeah I'm really I'm really doing this (laughs) but I think with this because I am a small independent I don't call major roadside and I don't hook up to a wrecker right right and (laughs) if all if all else possible you have to do the diagnostics to have a, a real good knowledge of what your semi's doing just out of curiosity i know i've had my share of experiences taking my car in for service and getting some of the ridiculous excuses you get from very patronizing service managers do you get the same thing as a woman when you're taking your semi in for service oh absolutely we had one of our trucks go it was up in ohio so we weren't close enough to go retrieve it ourselves so we had to have it towed into a Freightliner mm-hmm. and they finally got it pulled apart. And he called and said, well, uh, if it's the, the injector, like we think it's going to be. And then he gave me like $17,000 um, was the price. And mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, and Elias was like, no. And he, he, cause he has an accent. They sometimes give him the same treatment. So oh. he's like, no. Uh, let me call the owner of that truck because uh, I don't think she's going to want to spend that money. He called and told me what they had said. And I called back with him and I use what the brothers call my white lady voice. So they know I'm being serious. I'm going to care in a little bit. I, I play that too. We have, you have to use every tool you have. Oh, yeah. And Break sometimes can I can pass play, if you have to, right? <laughs> I can I've play dumb <laughs> and I can play, you know, I can, you, you know, we, we kind of get, depends on what tool in our arsenal we need. Yep. We're yep. going to play that one. And um, so uh, I called back and he tried to give me the breakdown of what the cost was going to be. And I said, how are you coming to that much in, in labor? How many, why are you saying that it's going to take uh, 27 hours of labor on that one injector? 
I said, because my mechanic and my shop at home can do all six in three hours and 30 minutes of that is spent asking me out to lunch. So again, tell me why you're trying to charge me 27 hours of labor at $200 an hour for one injector. And he's like, well, and then he came back and he said seven hours. I said, no, I said, I will max out. I said, and if your mechanic, your master Freightliner mechanic cannot change it in less than five hours, I said, just tell me now, put all my parts back in my truck and I will be up there tomorrow with my own tow truck to retrieve my equipment. Good for you. And we ended up having to go up and get it. But I mean, they were, they were trying, they were, they heard his accent and then they still wanted to think we were dumb and they were, and we think they might've just not wanted to work on it because it's an older truck. We get that as well. They want us, especially the dealer, the Freightliner dealerships, Mm -hmm. they don't want to mess with our trucks. They would rather us scrap them and buy a brand new, a brand new truck. Well, sure. They make more money that way. You know, the selling one. Yeah. They make more money doing warranty work because when I had a brand new 2019 Freightliner, it got hooked to a wrecker six times in one year. That was downtime for me. I'm not going back to new trucks. I don't blame I, I tell people all the time, don't be afraid of these older trucks. They were built to run. Yep. And I've seen trucks now are getting parked because there's a sensor that's missing and it's nine months back order, you know, before they get new ones. Oh, yeah. That's a, that's an asset that's just down. And, you know, me, I can just bypass something if I need to unplug the sensor and I can keep going. Right, right. <laughs> Yeah. And that's what we need right now, especially with everything that's going on with the supply chain and people starting to scream, gee, where's my stuff? You know, (laughs) exactly. You know, stay tuned for more of Women Road Warriors coming up. Did you know that 80% of America's communities rely on trucking alone to deliver their goods? The trucking industry keeps America running thanks to the 3.6 million professional truck drivers traveling over 300 billion miles a year. Industry movement Trucking Moves America Forward, or TMAF, tells the story of trucking and its positive impact on our economy, communities, and lives. Learn how you can be part of the industry movement working to build a strong image of trucking by visiting truckingmovesamerica.com. Kathy DeCaro is nothing short of amazing. She not only drives the world's biggest truck as a heavy equipment operator in Northern Alberta, Canada. She's an international motivational speaker and the author of Dream Big, an autobiography about overcoming a lifetime of trauma and abuse that led to dreams of success. Kathy inspires people the world over to change their lives and improve their self-worth. Her book will change your life. She's passionate about personal growth and believes anyone can change their circumstances and overcome their obstacles if they believe in themselves. Her life will amaze you and seriously inspire you. Be sure to order a copy of her book, Dream Big, on Amazon.com. Welcome back to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. 
So what would you say have been your biggest challenges that you've had to jump through? Because um, women are treated differently in, in a male-dominated industry. I'm sure you had some adversity here and there, and real women in trucking have certainly made a difference too. But how have you overcome some of the obstacles you've run into? I definitely think being underestimated. Um, when I, I've had brand new trucks, and you know, I, if I struggle with a certain dock, then somebody's going to come over and in a patronizing voice, um, tell me how to do it. And it might just be that I'm having a bad day. It's not that I don't know what I'm doing. And I think when I switched up and for me, I noticed a shift and these older drivers, when they saw I was jumping out of, uh, back then I was in high school, sweetheart, before I had black widow up and running. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, I was inside of a, a place and I was talking and I was dressed very Karen. I mean, very much like I looked like I was in the office. I had like just some capri pants and a blouse, you know, I looked like the office ladies in there, but I was a driver and, um, I'm walking out with another driver after we checked in and I stop and I open the door of high school sweetheart. And she was red truck, white hood patched together. Cause somebody took off the hood we didn't have a matching one at that moment. And you know, this old truck and she's loud and rattling and the guy stopped. He goes, I did not expect that. I'm like, <laughs> you know, so I did notice a, a shift in, in the way people treat me now um, when they see me hop out of the old trucks. Cause they're like, okay, she, she kind of, she probably knows what she's doing. Mm -hmm. um, and you know, this truck is big and I swing its hood around and I don't have as many people trying to help me back now. Um, you know, or tell me how to back if I still struggle, sometimes they'll spot for me, but they're not trying to tell me which way to turn my wheel, you know? So I, I think I, I did notice a, a shift in the way I was treated when I gave up the brand new shiny trucks and, and got an old truck. So there was maybe a bit of respect. It's like, Whoa, this, this is, pretty it was, it, yeah. it kind of, it is, you know, and I think I still, I still get people staring and things because um, I remember one time I was, I had one of the lights on the top go out and I like to say, I do my own stunts. And I mean, I'm open my hood and I climb up on my tire and I'm changing one of the lights in my visor. And in order for me to have climbed up, I had to hike my skirt up and tuck it into my leggings. Um, <laughs> it, was like, it was cold. So I had some layers on. I had a long, a long maxi skirt and my leggings on. So I had to hike the skirt up so I could climb. And I finished changing the light out and I turned to hop down and there's like five old timers just kind of standing there watching. <laughs> Not one of them really knows what to say at that moment. They're probably going, um, you go girl. You know, they, they were. I, I hope so. Um, and you're not afraid to do know, it. You know? Oh no. You know, I just spent a bunch of money um, changing out my whole um, alternator, AC compressor, serpentine pulley, you know, from the old style pulleys where you had to actually loosen the bolt on the alternator and tighten it down mm -hmm. to, to keep your belts tight. Right. Um, I switched it to the new serpentine style with the automatic tensioner because it was getting difficult to every, every two or three days I'm having to tighten my belts and it was just annoying. Um, but that look when people see me get out my giant wrenches and I'm just out there tightening my belts, there you go. <laughs> carrying my walk around, uh, 
And you know, I kind the of, they might say, well, I guess she's not afraid of breaking a nail, you know, <laughs> something like that. You know, I do. I mean, I have like a lot of pretty flower dresses in my truck that are covered in grease. Mm-hmm. Uh, do what you I have do. oil on every oil and grease on everything. But, um, you know, I think I see a lot of women are, I always tell them, don't be afraid to tinker or to poke. Mm-hmm. You are not going to break anything on your truck, you know? And I think a lot of people are afraid that sure. they are. I mean, I've had instances where one of my valves, my tractor and trailer valves was leaking and I'm sitting in the TA parking lot. Cause I've learned that's one of my tips is if you are going to like start taking your truck apart to figure out what's wrong with it, mm-hmm. at least do it where somebody else can fix it. If you can't put it back together, don't do it on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. Right. Yeah. Good. <laughs> do it. Good advice. Do it at it. You know, I've learned that TA and Petro parking lots are great places to poke around and figure out your truck. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, I had my whole dash apart, and I've had I had to like pull the valve out, and I I learned that if I can take the part off, I can usually put it back on. So I pulled that valve out, walked inside, set it on the counter. I said I'd like two of these. And he was like, "All right," went out, pulled me two of them, handed them back. And I went out and changed out both valves because if one goes, they're both going to go. So just swap them both out and be on my way. Same with headlights, you know, um, little things like if you can figure it out and if you can take that part off, you can put it back together. That's right. And your knowledge has come in handy. You gave a ride along to producer of a, an upcoming movie, Simon Hatt, who's going to be doing Hammer Down. Didn't you give him some advice on, on various things? This is really exciting. I had just heard about it last week. So. Oh, yeah. No, he was really, really cool. Um, my, my truck was in the shop, so we went over there and, you know, he was able to poke around under the hood and, and look inside, you know, because my truck is interesting inside. And, you know, we, we talked about how each truck has its personality. And then we went and drove around a couple of um, truck yards where me and my friends park and looked at all the different trucks and, you know, what one has what motor and which one would probably, you know, look cool. And I think he wanted to cast my mechanic in the movie. He's like, I could just put him in almost everything. Just oh, that's great. his presence, the way, you know, he he's like, cause he came around the side and he just was, dark and quiet and just came out of nowhere I mean I jumped for a minute but um you know uh it was really a a great time to be able to you know share he's like okay so in this situation what would you do or how would you approach that or you know and just kind of sharing some of the same stories I've shared with you about what it was like to have my daughter in the truck Mm -hmm. and so you know we talked about um, I had a couple of our different trucks were in the yard. So we talked about, um, each one's personality, you know, uh, how each one got its name, you know, then, you know, cause a lot of these older trucks, they, you see them and the, I think the older a truck gets, the more it really embraces its own personality. Oh, sure. It's yeah. not a fleet truck anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, it's got character. my truck is, yeah. You know, my truck is the black widow and mm-hmm. how she came with that name is, when my business partner called me, he's like, I found your truck. And I'm like, okay, I trust you. So he went and paid some money and, and got the truck. And I didn't, I, he bought it without me even seeing it. Cause I, I, well, I trusted him, but he's like, don't worry about it. You can, you can decorate it however you want, paint it, whatever color you want. 
And I was like, oh, I can have a mermaid truck. I thought, you know, having a teal and jewel toned sure. kind of fun truck would have been awesome. And he goes, sure, why not? I don't care. <laughs> he said it just like that. <laughs> and um, I was like, he sent me the pictures and I'm like, oh, it's not a mermaid. He goes, wait, what's it's anything you want it to be. I was like, that truck's personality. She will hate me if I turn her into a mermaid. She's not a mermaid. He goes, well, what is she then? And I'm like, she's a black widow. She is a man eater. And, <laughs> you know, he goes, oh, so she's like you. I'm like, way to be nice to me. Thanks. <laughs> Said I didn't really think I was a man eater, but okay. Uh, he goes, no, you just are serious and you don't you don't take anything from anyone I'm like yes okay I can I'll, I'll accept that compliment now uh, <laughs> but yeah now she's got you know a skull or a, a skeleton doing a yoga pose on the dash and a spider hanging from the with the sun visor and just skulls and spiders and you know black lace curtains mm -hmm. you know so I think she's happy being spooky and mysterious I think it's cool. I think she would have, she would have fought with me if, if I tried to make her into a pretty, pretty princess. There you go. <laughs> and and all of this knowledge really came in handy when you were giving some really good insight to, to Simon Hatt. And I think this is good. When, when Hollywood goes to produce a movie, they need to talk to some technical experts. And I, I think it's really cool that uh, you were able to uh, connect with Simon and maybe give him some education he hadn't thought of. Uh, for those who aren't familiar, Hammer Down is a movie that Chris Sullivan's going to be starring in, and Simon Hatt's producing it. So this is neat. I mean, it's going to be more realistic uh, when people actually yep, watch I, the movie. Uh, yeah, we've still he's still working on a couple of other projects and um, still writing Hammer Down. Mm -hmm. So you know, when I do get back, he's he's based out of Georgia right now as well as I am. So. Mm -hmm. Every time I get through, you know, we try and, and meet up and kind of go over this and that. Um, this is so cool. You know, but I'm excited. I can't wait to see because what I've seen so far, he's doing such an amazing job telling the story. And it also, uh, you know, I saw a lot of my my daughter in, in the way he was telling it because he, his dad was a lorry driver. Um, and right. so um, he is telling the story from his perspective being a kid in a truck mm -hmm. and what a great i parallel. definitely am ex it's a great it is you know um you you raised your daughter uh you had her on the truck and in this movie is about a, a father with his daughter on the truck and the struggles they had and various other things so very very cool yeah i you know and and i can definitely you know he showed me a, a short clip and i just it, it really rang home with me um I, I can, I can definitely see the dad and why he's doing what he's doing because I had to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then I think about, you know, my daughter and I, I'm like, that's probably how she felt, you know, like, I hate your stupid truck. And oh, I'm sure. like, yeah. right. You know, I can't tell you how many times my daughter said she hated the truck. I bet. Um, how does she but, feel now? Does she does she feel differently now that she's in college? Or I some of it, I think sometimes she misses it, and mm -hmm. she's just not going to say it. But right. uh, you know, I think she she realizes that without the truck, she wouldn't be where she is. 
That's right. Yeah. It, it, well, eventually. You know, once um, kids get to a certain age, they realize maybe their parents were wiser than they thought. <laughs> you know, they'll finally say, wow, that was pretty cool. Thank you. <laughs> you know. I still, I'm still waiting for that day because I've gone from, I love you, mommy, to, God, you don't know anything. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait. I, I, you know, a lot of my friends are like, you're fine. You're fine. She's going to come around between 24 and 26. And yep. I've some had some say as high as 30. I'm like, yep. <laughs> okay, so, 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 so I'm good for the next, the next 10 years. I'm just going to be like by myself in my truck waiting for her to come back around yeah pretty much yeah it takes a while uh, sometimes <laughs> yeah humans can be pretty independent we have a couple minutes left jess i was wondering do you have advice for women what's inspired you what has kept you going how do women have the confidence in themselves to do what you're doing in the trucking industry oh just just go for it i see so many people are going round and round on on social media and I almost feel like they're psyching themselves out. Um, There is such thing as doing some research and knowing what you're going to, like what path to take, but then there's overdoing it. Um, Know when is time, you know, when, when it's time to strike. Um, So you don't psych yourself out because I think, I think that's what I'm seeing a lot of nowadays is people are so, they're trying so hard to be perfect on the first shot. Um, And they've done so much research and asked every question instead of just going for it that they've almost psyched themselves out. So I say just do some research and then go for it. Don't let anything stop you. I think that's excellent advice. And I think women are typically so hard on themselves. We, we tend to second guess ourselves more than we should, whereas men will just lunge for it. They'll just go for it. Women go, well, I don't know. And it's ladies like you who are champions that are really proving just go for it. It works. Yeah. I mean, give it all you have. I mean, no one expects you to be perfect coming out the gate and, you know, do your best, uh, give it your best. And that's all you can ever do. I know that's, I still drive my truck like that every day is I'm, I'm afraid to call my, I'm a second generation truck driver. My aunt and uncle um, owned trucks and drove for, 35 years. And, you know, I, I just, I did the best I could because I never wanted to call my aunt and uncle and have to tell them, well, I did this in my truck. And I, I didn't want to tell them I did anything stupid. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I took my job seriously and I gave it everything I, I could. And it's proven to be that recipe for success for me. You've been a wonderful champion and mentor and advocate for women and minorities. And and thank you for being in the industry, Jess. I really appreciate it. And I appreciate you being on the show, too. Thank you for having me. It's great. We've been talking with Jess Graham here on Women Road Warriors. She is an awesome example of what you can do as drivers. Oh, my gosh. She's she's just a classic example in, in a true champion. Jess Graham is a true inspiration to all women in trucking, and I'm very glad that we've had her on the show on Women Road Warriors. It's been an absolute treat to hear her story. You've been listening to Women Road Warriors with Shelley Johnson and Kathy Takaro. If you want to be a guest on the show or have a topic or feedback, email us at info at tncradio.live. Thank you for listening to another great interview on TNC Radio Live.
All of the material you hear on tncradio.live on our website, our broadcasts, or our podcasts are copyrighted. There can be no distribution without the express consent of tncradio.live and its partners. For inquiries, write us at info at tncradio.live.